Hi guys, welcome back to the Ojogu Bonito podcast with your host Jaycron. And um, this is the first virtual episode. Now you're probably wondering why we are virtual. I'm actually in Spain at the moment. I'm in the lovely city of Madrid. Um, currently watching some football out here in Spain. Uh, I'm flying to Seville on Friday to watch more football and then, yep, bringing you podcasts from Europe. Um, I'm joined with Mr. Ferguson today. Hello, Mr. Ferguson. How are hello, you? Hello. This is very exciting for me as well because it's been quite a while since we've done a virtual podcast over here in, in Dukebox as well. So very excited to have you on from sunny Spain. Although I will say it's actually been pretty sunny over here as well. Well, funny enough, it's actually been raining in Madrid. It was raining yesterday. Um, it's been a bit cloudy. Uh, <laughs> um, I've actually been in Munich, in Lisbon. And uh, yeah, day before the day before yesterday, I drove two hours to Valladolid to watch. Um, so let's actually, do you want to break down the Do you want me to break down the games well, I've yeah, watched I mean, so like far? You told me before you've got notes on what you've been watching. I've got notes. I've notes. got notes. So... On um, fr- on Saturday, I went to watch uh, Bayern against RB Leipzig, mm. um, and I mean I've got a few notes here. The Allianz Arena is a beautiful stadium. Uh, it was actually an apologies if I don't sound great. I've got a me- minor cold, but um, oh, which is yeah. fun, which is ironic because I'm in Spain. Um, it's interesting as I, I I can see you taking a big glug of water over there, so I'll fill for time. It's um, I was watching, obviously, the, the headline story is that Munich lost that match. Yeah. And they've now ceded control of the Bundesliga to Dortmund. But I was really surprised at just how many people, after, you know, after the the goodwill you would have thought Bayern had bought with their dominance so far, how many people left early? Because there were pictures floating around. Yes, I was actually going to say this. Um, fans in front of me left after the 78th minute. So 78? Oh, yeah, so, um, and by the way, fun fact, German football, and I think European football in general, during the game, you've got the ultras obviously singing, but the rest of the stadium is actually very quiet. It's like a, it's like a golf match, actually, um, oh. I would say. Um, and actually, a few pointers here. Um, I was watching the warm-up, um, and Sommer was very good in the warm-up, especially with the close, with the goalkeeper coach. Um, they were doing their fitness, um, etc., but... I want to highlight a few things. Um, Bayern Munich's first touch as a team was ho- not great. I would dare I say horrible. Apart from Kimmich. Um, they were always stretching. I felt Goretzka uh, especially. I mean, there was slide tackling. You, you imagine that sort of slide tackling motion just to try and get the ball. Um, so that was happening quite a bit. Um, First goal, Serge Gnabry cuts, cuts inside from the left-hand side, hits it against the post, and it's 1-0 Bayern. And then you hear the famous French can-can um, every time they score. Then I want to talk about Jean Cancelo, because first half he was amazing. He came into midfield, he was linking the play. He was the, um, the mecca of everything good that Bayern did in the attack. But the second half, it just crumbled. Leipzig scored, I believe, I go on one football, hashtag not sponsored. Um, Leipzig scored in the 64th minute from a Bayern corner, actually. So, Ooh, that, yeah, that's, that, and that's never a good sign as a, as a defending team. 
or an attacking, even an attacking team, or any team. So Bayern lose the first ball and the second ball, um, and you got a four against one uh, for yes. Leipzig, um, and that one is Juan Cancelo, um, and he doesn't do too badly. He gets a touch. Um, it's hard to say that a defender does badly if they've been left in a four-on-one. <laughs> to be honest, they can't. At that point, you're you're really sort of praying that something's going to work out for you by then. Um, and then Conrad Lima, future Bayern player, just uh, slots it into the roof of the net, and that's one-one. Um, then, shortly at twelve minutes after, um, first of two penalties scored by Leipzig. Um, Good passage of play, and Kunku goes uh, foul on the on the line of the edge of the box. If that makes sense, by Pavard trips him up, and Kunku steps up, slots the penalty two one. Then last but not least, there's a handball from a corner, and Shabosly put it away. And actually, after the Kunku penalty, the seventy sixth minute. Sorry, that's when fans are starting to leave. Um, and I've also noticed. Um, well, actually, I'll get onto the matches here in Spain, but um, I'd, I'd, so they let so it's left as soon as Leipzig went two one up. Yeah, it was a bad Bayern performance. I'll be honest, it was a very bad Bayern performance. Um, delict and Bayern were resorted to delict left-footed shots from outside of the box. I'm curious to to understand this because I've I've never had a chance to see him in person. What's your opinion on Matthias Delict? Um, really, really tidy player. Really tidy player. I've re- I really like him. He's fast. Um, he's good on the ball. He reads play really well. Um, I just thought Pavard had a really bad game, to be honest. Masrawi, yeah. Masrawi was the one who gave the the second penalty away, handball. And um, yeah, Cancelo had a really poor second half. I mean, he was giving the ball away from time to time. But Kimmich was the best player for Bayern on that pitch. Um, and... Uh, they brought Matisse Tell, who I really I rate really highly. Um, young French winger from the Ren Acad- the famed Ren Academy, obviously who's produced Usman Dembele amongst many others. So they do have a good track record with wingers. Um, but Leipzig were really good. Marco Rose of Leipzig. I mean, Guardiola was good. Um, Lima was doing pretty well, to be honest. And uh, it feels like we haven't heard much about Guardiola recently because he was absolutely sensational during the World Cup. He was, and um, then it's kind of sort of. The hype around him has died off a little bit. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's died because he plays in the Bundesliga. Simp- uh, simple as that. Um, he plays in the Bundesliga. He plays for RB Leipzig, and that's it. And they're not in the Champions League anymore. So there you go. That that that's very. It's very simple. Simakon didn't have a bad game either. Um, I thought Bayern were pretty toothless in attack, and I think they really need a focal point come this summer. Um, Thomas Muller. The press was also very disjointed from Bayern. Um, it was Muller sometimes, Maziala leading the press, and then. Um, at times even Nabri and it, it just very very disjointed I wasn't a huge fan of it to be honest no fair enough uh, and it, it's it's strange that Bayern are even in this position uh, they didn't have a great start to the season they were they were a little way off the pace at that point but when they reach the peak of the Bundesliga you you never really feel like with Bayern that they are going to throw it away, and yet somehow this year they seem to have conspired to do so. Well, well, they threw it away in, in the Leipzig game, I'll be honest. Um, it was a pretty even game in terms of the attacking side of things. Um, 15 shots for Bayern, 14 for Leipzig. Leipzig had half their shots on target, Bayern only had four. Um, Leipzig more shots inside the box. Bayern took seven shots from outside the box. So almost half their shots were outside of the box. 
Um, Bayern superior pass accuracy. Bayern hit more crosses. But Leipzig's cross percentage successfully successful cross percentage was much better. Those are a few stats. I'm not sure about the XG, but Bayern created little to nothing, if I'm being honest. Um, and you don't often say that about the Bayern Munich side, really. True. I think they really lack ideas, if I'm being honest. I think they lack ideas. They need a revamp of the attack. Komal was very good. Kingsley Cohen was very good on the right-hand side. Apart from his guy, I thought Nabry wasn't great. Muziala um, was a bit wasteful from time to time, although Komal missed a guilt-edge chance to score a header. Do you, th- uh, do you think they are missing Nagelsmann at this point? Um, it's easy to say, given that they were top when he was sacked and now they're not top. But we questioned at the time the wisdom of, of letting Nagelsmann go. Um, do they miss Nagelsmann? I think long term they will miss him. Uh, I think that Tuchel was a very tactically flexible manager. Um, so is Nagelsmann, but Nagelsmann is... Took us a better man manager. Mm. And I think Nagelsmann's age was the main factor in the fact that off-field issues rather than on-field issues. As we've seen with Ruud van Nistelrooy at PSV, who's left yeah. with immediate effect, um, having won two trophies and only lost eight games in charge. I think um, the players have started... I think Sangare was quoted in the media this morning as having locked himself in his car when van Nistelrooy announced that. So the players aren't taking particularly well over there. Um, I think Van Nistelrooy just to move on to PSV um, lo- he felt he lost the faith of um, mm. the dressing room so and, and the board so hence why he he left um, after that game uh, the following day following morning actually I flew to Lisbon um, to watch Benfica against Sporting at the Estadio José Alvarado mm. um, wow my pronunciation is pretty good Funny enough, I thought um, my Portuguese is a lot better than I thought it was. So um, let's move on to that game there. So it was at 8.30 kickoff. Um, fan trouble meant that I only got in half an hour into the game. Um, so it was a, a bit, it was, police had shut down the gate we were supposed to enter for some reason um, because of, yeah, fan trouble um, between the Benfica, the Benficistas and the Sportingistas. So... Um, yeah, so I've also got some match notes for that. Um, as soon as I got in, a um, couple of minutes later, Sporting had scored two goals in five minutes. So the first goal comes from... is a Francisco Trincao goal. Um, it comes from... The ball, Antonio Silva tries to, clear, uh, to get a touch on it first time. It goes under his studs. Trincao takes a touch. Um, Odysseus Vlacodimos tries to claim it. So then Bound ricochets off him and then Trincao finishes second time. Second goal from Racona Nuno Santos. Um, as I think Mr. Jennings might be here. Um, nope. Just Mr. Yep, so Nuno Santos from a corner. Diamande, the right wing back, heads it in. And um, at this point, Benfica are really against the run of play because... Um, Sporting's wing-backs were killing Benfica out wide. And because Benfica don't actually play with wingers, or they play with David Neres, um, yeah, they actually just got killed out wide. And I was telling this to my friend who I went went to the game with. Um, and at half-time, Roger Schmidt changed things up. Um, so, Frederick Ausnes, a midfielder slash false winger, and was actually playing a right-back that game. Um 
so what uh, Schmidt did, which was pivotal, is he cha- he subbed off Jean Mario, who was getting booed the whole time because he played for Sporting. Mm. Um, he brought brought on Alexander Barr right back and moved Alsnes into the attack, um, and that was to great effect in the second half because Benfica were more physical. Um, they started dominating the play more. Their pressing was much better, and more aggressive and consistent, and. Um, Things really changed in the 66th minute. So, Gonzalo Guedes came on for Rafa Silva to provide a more physical presence. But more importantly, uh, Petr Musa, Croatian striker, 24-year-old, came on for Gonzalo Ramos. Now, many people will be interested to see how was Gonzalo Ramos in person. Um, I've got... Gonzalo Ramos, for me, is too nice a striker. And I've got here... He played like a little boy up front. <laughs> Um, he showed no no fight whatsoever, um, and I think even you just you know when you look at certain players, and again this is a bit wishy washy, but uh, football fans will understand. True football fans will understand. You can tell if someone has a nasty streak in them, and Gonzalo Ramos does not by any means of the imagination. And he wasn't providing a physical presence either. And Petr Musa, very tall Croatian striker, uh, nearly scored an amazing solo goal. Actually, I think I believe he's sort of six two six three. Um, so he provided uh, a physical presence so they, they could play back to go, their back to goal and that was pivotal in the the goal that they got back where Ausner scores a, a wonderful header actually a flicked header um, no chance for Franco Israel who is actually um, Uruguayan goalkeeper who played instead of Antonio Adan um, I'm not sure what's happened to Adan um, I'm actually going to check for you just might be injured on Gonzalo Ramos obviously he was another player who had a, a fantastic World Cup yep and I, and I, I take your point I, I know what you mean when you say he played like a little boy he, he didn't impose himself on the game no not, not at like all not like a striker like a, a Suarez would for example who would you know they would even if things weren't necessarily going right technically for them their physical presence and their mentality and their determination would make a, a key difference yeah. There. Do you think that is a flaw in his game? Because I, I think it's not necessarily so important on an international stage where yeah. the defences aren't necessarily so drilled, and therefore there's more chance of exploiting them anyway. Versus at a domestic level where they have more time to train together, so defences are more well organised, and therefore they need something like that to break them down. So I would I would put it this way. Um, do I think Gonzalo Ramos is Premier League ready? No. Um, do I think he'd be beneficial going to a team like Atletico Madrid before coming to the Premier League? Now, that sounds stupid, right? But uh, initially, but hear me out. Um, he'd be a great Benzema replacement. Um, he'd also be a good player to go to Atletico Madrid just to give him a little bit of fight, um, as Cholo Simeone does. Um, this is the week was it- JK recommends a player goes to Atletico Madrid segment. I mean, I'll be honest, <laughs> Atletico Madrid is is a great player to set, a great place to sent for defenders in addition to Serie A any team in Serie A really um, just because ultimately if you don't have, it's a great place to test someone's if they have the fire in their belly um, and Petr Musa was great you know I give him a lot of slack I call him a Croatian lamppost um, but he was really really good at just you know running at players um, providing a physical presence with his back to goal uh, play and that resulted, as I mentioned, in the Arsenal goal, where um, Grimaldo puts a cross in. 
And uh, Alcina sort of flicks a header on from the left-hand side and it goes into the into the side netting. Oh, the goal side of the side netting, I mean. And that actually prompted a double change from Sporting in the 72nd minute where Ruben Aborim went more defensive. He brought on a left-back for Trincao and Hector Bearin as well for Escal. Um And then Benfica equalised in the 94th minute. Um, a bit of a, a scramble. The goal scorer was uh, João Neves. And actually, I'm going to come... Give me 15 seconds. Uh, <laughs> because I have a Benfica kit. I bought a Benfica kit. Oh, wow. And here is my Benfica kit. And this lovely gold kit. And uh, I've I was got João Neves on looks- the back. On the pictures that I can see, because we're doing we're doing this through a team's course, so I can actually see JK as well. I, I was just about to say that's a very orange kit, but uh, no, it's it's, it's, more a, it's a gold kit. It's a gold kit, yeah. Ah. So I got Jean, Jean Neves on the back. Um, I'll say this: Jean Neves reminds me a little bit of Frankie De Jong. As I put this shirt away, um, <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of Frankie De Jong in terms of he progresses the play through his passing. He's a very diminutive midfielder at this point. But I think he's one for the future for Portugal. He really impressed me. Um, obviously, you can tell a young player out because they tuck their shirt in uh, to their shorts. Um, classic FIFA. Um, but he misplaced a few passes when when he had much more time on the ball. I remember one. Um, he tried to play to Alexander Barr. But um, overall, he was really, really good. And I think that he's the ne- he's next on the line for the Benfica Academy. Just a little bit on sport. Uh, just before I go to sporting, um, because even though I'm a Benfica fan, um, I still have to be. We have to be level. Uh, how do you say it? Um, uh, objective. Yep, objective. Um, Antonio Silva needs. So ultimately, I believe maybe going to Juventus this summer on a free transfer. Um, but someone needs to help out Antonio Silva just to read the game a little. He's a great centre back, great centre back. Do I think he's too soon for a move? Yes. You um, might be a Ruben Diaz minus the, the leadership qualities mm. because Ruben Diaz was a very special player in the Benfica academy in terms of his leadership. Um, whereas Antonio Silva needs an experienced head next to him uh, and experienced heads in the dressing room to, to help guide him because Benfica lost Andre Almeida, their long serving captain, this summer. Um, they've lost many experienced players, so they need they need someone to put an arm around him because at times he's a bit too eager and a bit too rash. Mm. That's um, inter- it's interesting you compare him to Ruben Dias because Ruben Dias actually reminds me in some ways of someone like a Sergio Busquets or a, or a Casemiro in the way that their leadership kind of isn't really seen on the pitch if you're watching the ball. It's it's off the ball. It's their positioning and their awareness that is so important to their game. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Antonio Silva is is lacking that. What do you think the best way for him getting that back is? Um, first of all, I think for Antonio Silva, it's just... Um, as I actually did a stadium tour of the, Benf- of the Estadio da Luz the day after the game, um, before my flight, actually, nearly missed my flight to Lisbon, uh, to Madrid, because of it. but Estadio da Luz is an amazing stadium. Um, and as the uh, as the guide, Big Up João, uh, was explaining that Benfica, the Benfica campus is actually very, very large and they have a special um, video room where they do analysis and also they reenact game situations. Um, and I think Antonio Silva working there with um, 
Roger Schmidt and his assistants and the defensive coach, but also with an experience say, like Otamendi to help him out because let's not forget Otamendi was very rash mm. um, in his younger days and I think he's actually aged really well. Um, just someone to remind him not to be so eager, but Antonio Silva will get that with age. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Um, so yeah, going to move on to Sporting. Um, sporting, really good tactically. I think the three, the three four three or three five two, three four three actually. Um, they played with a false nine. Trincao was the false nine. Mm. He was causing a lot of chaos. Um, I want to highlight Manuel Ugarte um, as a record in Portugal say that um, he's agreed a sixty million euro move to PSG. Um, Ugarte is a very very good player. Great at breaking the play up. Great at progressing through the the lines of this passing and uh, excuse me uh, overall just a, a wonderful a wonderful technician and he's got that Uruguayan grit as well so um, that's one to keep an eye out there Joel Neves one for the future definitely um, I could actually see him I mean if he fills out a little bit so he's shorter than me to put it in perspective I'm Five foot nine. He's about five six, five seven. So um, right, not yeah. not quite Kante. Who's the Who's the really small Italian centre midfielder? Verratti. Yeah, Verratti. Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah. Good. That's a good comparison. Um. He reminds me a little bit of Marco Verratti, but I would actually tout him as a long term Sergio Busquets replacement at Barcelona. Mm. Um. He's just a very very good player, Jean Neves, and he's emerging to the team. I was a little disappointed with David Neres actually, to be honest, from a Benfica perspective. Hmm. Do you see Jean Neves as a, more of a defensive-minded or attacking-minded midfielder then? If, if he's a Busquets replacement, I, I'd take it defensive. Um, I mean I mean it actually in terms of... He's not quite... He's a middle third player. Right. Um, so he's more of an eight then? Um, I would say le- uh, more of just a ball progressor through his passing and, mm. and dribbling. I only bring it up because I don't know how much you will have picked up of this while you've been travelling, but... A lot of it looks like there's been a briefing that's happened um, that Manchester United are possibly making a move at Mason Mount. Yes, yes, I've seen that actually. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on that because it sounded what what you've been saying sounds a lot like it's what Manchester United needs someone who can progress the ball well. Probably a cheaper option than I, Mason I, Mount. I don't. I don't. Well, first of all, if anybody wants a Benfica player, Rui Costa, the president, will point them to the release clause first of all. Mm. Um, so cheaper I'm not too sure because I don't know uh, buyout clause um, being honest I don't think Mason Mount's a good fit because United need a ball progressor from the defensive to the middle third mm. where think of it as a relay with the ball um, first leg is De Gea to the defence second leg defence to the midfielder we need in a full part relay we need the third person because um well, obviously the fourth person is Bruno and then Bruno gives it to the final third so in a four leg relay we need that third person so and I'll get into Frankie onto Frankie de Jong as I break down the match from day before which is actually next um, but yeah that is uh, Benfica Sporting broken down very similar to the other game in the league between both of them in just while you're looking that up, I've I've just pulled up Joel Neves on transfer marked, our old friend. 
And apparently his current market value is only 2.5 million euros. Well, he's just broken He's just broken through, so... Um, mm. And actually, it reminds me... Well, it's not the same, actually, as the, old, the other game, but that game also finished 2-2. Um, and uh, to be honest, Benfica should have won this game. And if Benfica had won this game, actually, the hotel I was staying at was... Um, is where the, where, where the Benfica players would have been mm. if if they had won the league. Um, but, but first half, Benfica was shocking. Second half, Benfica dominated. So, game of two halves, as they say, football. It's a funny sport. Um, moving on to the game on Tuesday, which was Valladolid against Barcelona, which I drove two and a half hours for uh, each way. I love football, you see. So, um, by the way, I just have to say a shout out to the Estadio Jose Soria, where Valladolid play their home matches. It's a wonderful little stadium. It's got a certain charm to it. Um, and actually, I'm going to bring um, my souvenir from the stadium. Oh, he's got a souvenir. Uh, it's not as special as you think. I mean, it's just it's just a purple piece of paper. <laughs> oh, is that from the... Um, the the seat. What's the thing where they hold all the all the bits of paper up to make a big picture? Uh, I don't know what's called. The name's completely escaped me. Tifa? No, it's not a Tifa. Um, it's something like that. Uh, yeah, something along those lines. Um, and actually, Valladolid fans are protesting against Barcelona because of the refereeing scandal, and they're using bin bags actually. <laughs> um, and Barcelona got booed as they came out in their golden strip. I've got a few notes for this, actually. So, um, if you can load up FB Ref for me, um, if possible. Uh, yeah, I can open that up. Um, uh, and actually, uh, so, so, so as many people will know, Valladolid won this game 3-1. Um, I was sat next to a socio of Valladolid who's been going to matches for the last sort of 40, 45 years, and he was in the academy as an 18-year-old. Mm. Um we, 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 we analysed the game in Spanish um, so there you go that's an insight into how decent my Spanish is um, I think it's um, quite mediocre but um, then again I'm more harsh on myself than other people so um, now if you can go on to Aguado please Aguado, on FB Rep A-G-U-A-D-O Alvaro Aguado yes I see him um, I just want to see what his passing stats are like. Uh, so, uh, what percentiles is he passing in? on this page? Um, also, shout out Rocky Mesa, formerly of Swansea. Um, he played really well as uh, just breaking the lines of, of Barcelona. Um, I, I say that because I thought Aguado was pretty tidy. Um, broke the lines really well, retained the ball that well. Mm. And there's one thing, is he, does he excel at anything? Uh, well, I'm, I haven't got the detailed passing stats just yet, but from what I can see versus midfielders, um, he's 57th percentile for passes attempted, only 42nd for pass completion, but 77th for progressive passes, uh, and 58th for progressive passes received as well. Uh, so he's more, of a, he's more he's of a sixth. More, yeah, he's got, some, he's got 55, uh, 55th percentile progressive carries as well. So he's, he's, he's very good progressing, um, but he's not got many successful take-ons and not many attacking penalty area touches. Um, I was going to actually tout him as a backup option for Liverpool, um, 
based on that performance that I saw. So I thought it was pretty tidy, um, but you need a, a larger sample size. Mm. Um, my next note, Eric Garcia. Um, first of all, has a worse beard than I do because it's ginger. <laughs> Second of all, um, Xavi tried to play him in the pivot as the six. And that didn't that didn't go well at all. Um, I, one of the... I met a Barcelona fan in where I was sat and he was like, uh, he called him Eric uh, Beckenbauer Kaiser Garcia. And I burst out laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, Pablo Torre also played that game and obviously with Barcelona playing their box midfield um, Alex Balde was really really good um, he was mm. always overlapping always trying to put a ball in the box um, I want to give a big shout out to the Valladolid goalkeeper Jordi Masip um, who I think came through at Barcelona yeah he did Yeah, that came through at Barcelona right, yeah. um, he had a great game actually um, also Ivan Fresneda um, the much-linked right-back who's touted for move to Leverkusen to replace Jeremy Frimpong. Um, Lucas Olaza, formerly of uh, Celta Vigo. Um, he was also very, very good coming into midfield. Um, and Kyle Laren, the Canadian who plays up front for Valladolid. You also have Darwin Machis and Gonzalo Plata as well, who were the, the wide men up and down the flank at all times and uh, yeah that was that was that from um, from my lit- my few notes um, yeah Eric Garcia just didn't cut it for me as that pivot player um, and he was just you know Barcelona had chances in this game don't get me wrong Vidalid put in a few blocks massive made some massive saves but um, horrible puns yet again um, I also wanted to say Frankie Dion was class that game Genuinely, genuinely, I would say the best ball progressor in the world. Um, very press resistant, incredibly good at passing. He assisted the Lewandowski goal in uh, added time, I believe. Yep, sorry, 84th minute. And uh, after I break down the the performances, I'll break down the goals themselves. Um, Chris, what, yep. Was there anything in particular that you, you didn't... Sort of vibe with about Eric Garcia's performance because I've just pulled up his FBF and he's got some really good stats in most of the important areas. Um, he doesn't play us past the eye test physically. Mm. Um, I'm assuming he's good at passing. That's why he's probably he's, brought. Ninety fourth percentile for pass completion. Ninety six. Well, well, well that's not surprising because centre-backs. Yes, but also. Um, also, I don't think he's had many minutes this season, so um, if you just go on the minutes, uh, he's, he's, played on. he's played 22 La Liga matches, uh, 1,300 minutes. Yeah, there you go. So it's under 1,500 minutes, so the sample size is actually very small. Mm. Um, Andreas Christensen is very, very good on the ball. That's another thing I noticed. Well, he's been pushing uh, Koundé out to right back because that's the big... Uh, drama that's happening is it Kunde that's at right back or about Kunde or out uh, actually none of them match, none of them played Kunde was is injured Araujo is injured so oh. but um, been, there has been some talk recently about Kunde yeah, potentially being um, happy because he's been played right back rather than centre back I mean to be honest uh, I don't blame Javi to do that because they don't really have a right back mm. um 
But yeah, that might be a position to strengthen. Um, a player who passed the eye test was Rafinha. Mm. Um, I've maligned him a lot. I didn't think he was pretty, particularly good at the World Cup, but he was instrumental to everything good that Barcelona did on that right on on the field. Well, that's similar to what we saw in the uh, in the Europa League. Quali- what whatever that uh, round of thirty two. Round of thirty-two against yeah, Man United. Yeah, he was against United. He was he was one of the best players on the pitch there. Um, another one for the future, Pablo Torre. Very tidy player they bought him from Rafinha Santander, and uh, yeah, he was just very tidy on the ball. Came inside from his nominal left wing position to create the box midfield, and by box midfield I mean you've got two deeper players and then two central midfielders in front of them. Um, to create essentially a four-man midfield mm. uh, consisting solely of central midfielders. Gavi was good, but don't know how he didn't get a yellow card being his combative self. Um, Mark Sonza was tidy as well on the ball. Obviously, Xavi likes to play with his left for the centre-back uh, on the left side and right on the right side. Um, Xavi made a few weird substitutions. Um, he did to staking that off at half-time for Iñaki Peña. Um, and he also brought off Sergio Roberto for Frank Kessier. So but actually, goalkeeper changes are, are, are quite rare. But Barcelona do have the league wrapped up. Do you think? It's... Yeah, that that's that was why actually I wrote it down. Um, possibly uh, what, for league medals. Has he played? Um, has he played a league game so far this season in, in Akipenia? Uh, Let me have a I'm look. just going to check that. Um, uh, as I, I'll pull it up as well, just in case. Yeah, actually, I think you're that's the only game this season. Yeah, um, that's probably why to get so a yeah, medal. be for medals then. Um, and actually, Javi tried to go to three at the back um, after Roberto for Kessier change mm. by playing Alonso on the left, Christian in the middle, and Eric Garcia on the right. Um, and that didn't work at all. Um, granted, Barcelona controlled the play as they did. I mean, if we go on possession here, Barcelona had how much possession did they have? Uh, they had uh, 70% possession um, but Valladolid ultimately won the game um, uh, Carl Larin, uh, Larin was very isolated up front but um, yeah the let, let me break down the goals now um, I also want to say Ferran Torres of the Spanish Dan James minus the pace I don't know how um, I think he's reincarnation well he's another version of Alvaro Morata because I don't know how He's commanded 70 million transfer fees. He is genuinely god-awful as a, as a winger. I would rather play... Um, do you think he's better in another position or do you just think he's not that <sighs> Maybe as a nine. Maybe as a nine, but are you going to really displace Robert Lewandowski as a nine at Barcelona? No chance. Um, so first goal is actually a Christensen own goal from a cross. So Darwin Machis from the left side crosses in. And Christensen scores a wonderful striker's header, but in his own goal. Um, and then the st- I read the stat. Valladolid won seven of the eight games they scored in the first half at the Jose Zorilla. Um, then there was a penalty. Um, Eric Garcia conceded the penalty. Gonzalo Plata was brought down. And Laren smashed home the penalty for 2-0. Then, um, counter-attack, Valladolid were great on the break, actually. Valladolid were amazing on the break. 
Um, Plata was released on the right side, ball across, and uh, sorry, uh, Larin was on the right side, ball across, and then Plata scores essentially what you'd call a long FIFA sweaty goal. Um, <laughs> I and then Var, well. Var, Var ruled it out for offside, and then it wasn't offside. I mean, I saw it in real time, I said it's not offside. And then, so Valladolid managed the game at 3 0. Imagine they go 3 0 up against Barcelona at home, and then 84th minute. You know, Barca playing slow, slow. Dion plays the ball in behind. Lewandowski goes round, Masip and slots it in. And uh, yeah, Barcelona could have scored a second goal, but luckily for uh, Bucela or Valladolid, it finished three uh, one. Now this game, it's more important for Valladolid, um, who are fighting relegation, actually. So one of the La Liga managers, did they not suggest that this game was the subject of some match-fixing because of how badly Barcelona played? I haven't read that, so... Um, let me just see if I can find that now. Uh, I, I don't think I'm talking nonsense here, um, but I'm sure that I saw that somewhere. And actually, um, results around them meant Rio... Uh, sorry, not Rio. Rio, I watched them yesterday. Um Valladolid stay 18th on goal difference because they're three. They are three teams who are tied for uh, tied on 38 points in La Liga. Mm. Um, them being Getafe, Cadiz, and Valladolid. See, Spanish pronunciation ain't too bad there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it. Maybe it was more of a joke. Mister, I can't actually find any articles about it, which is very odd. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure I would have seen that probably on Arsac or something. Yep. Um, so that was that was that really. Um, moving on to the game I watched yesterday, Real Madrid against Baekana. Um I thought that first of all, it was a game. Real Madrid were really really good in the build up phase. Um, really good impressed me at left back um, with his athleticism and also just. Uh, He's really, really tight on the ball. Um, Carvajal had sort of a freer role on the right side. He was drifting all across. Sometimes he was on the left wing. Sometimes he was on as a playing as a right winger. Sometimes a right back. Um, and does sport an impressive beard, which actually in a break in play, I locked eyes with Danny Carvajal and I said and I mouthed um, in Spanish, "What do you use for a good beard?" And he sort of said, "You know." Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was that. And uh, Benzema's, Benzema's not as good as he... Well, he's, he's ageing, but finishing-wise, finishing he's still there. And Spanish teams in general, I've watched four Spanish sides now. I'm going to watch another two um, this weekend and then another one in the Europa League final. Spanish sides play football. And by that, I mean they always try to play out from the back, through the lines... Um, and Rio did the same thing. Uh, Fran Garcia, who's moving to Real Madrid this summer, the left back really impressed me. Um, Camavinga really impressed me as well. Um, his ball retention ability, his eye for a pass, his engine, his tackling ability, really sound. Um, Rodrigo played on the left hand side in the absence of Vinicius, um, who, by the way, really happy to see the solidarity shown by the Real Madrid players mm. to Vinicius. And I've got another kit to show you. 
Um, because the day before the game, the same day I went to Valladolid, I picked up a, a Real Madrid shirt, which I've got the wrong way around now. Um, a Vinny Junior shirt. Do you know, I've not actually seen one up close, but I really like the purple detailing on that shirt. I think that's um, really nice. Yeah, it's a really lovely shirt, actually. I, I quite like it, to be honest. So I am questioning whether you went on a football odyssey or a shopping odyssey at this point. <laughs> I've only bought two kits. I've been to three games, I've, I've got two kits. I wanted to buy a Viola kit, actually, but... Um, yeah, um, I was with a friend of mine, and... Uh, I was like, oh, who should I get? He was like, Vinicius, of course. I really want to get Alaba, though. Um, in the Real Madrid Museum Stadium Tour, um, you get to take a photo with a player on a green screen and then buy it afterwards. Mm. I didn't buy it. Um, but I chose Alaba just because I really, really rate, rate Alaba and he's one of my favourite players, actually. Um, he's more... He's, uh, he's a footballer's... Fo- uh, He's a footballer's footballer, if that makes sense. There. Yeah, as a footballer, you really appreciate someone with that versatility. <laughs> Not just versatility, but that a bit the complete nature. Mm. Um, sorry, just going back to the Barcelona. Rafinha was Barcelona's most complete player, actually. Um, we, yeah, sorry, I've just got a few more Madrid notes. Um, Modric and Kroos were a bit lax with their passing. This is sort of one to five percent of the time. Um, and actually, for- Madrid have left this season actually. Two games. They have two games. I, I assume, therefore, one of them is at home. Yes. Um, Athletic Club uh, for the last game of the season. Right. Um, and, and fun fact, um, I might have been a good chance for Valladolid, so maybe going back there um, <laughs> for the last game of the season in June. Although I do have a trip planned to Italy, possibly to Turin, towards Turin Inter, or to the famed San Siro. So... Mm. Next week's after next week's podcast, which for which I'll be in Paris, um, I would have seen Sevilla, Real Madrid, um, and also would have seen the Europa League final. So I can, I might even go to the Conference League final. I'm not too sure at this point um, in Prague. So you may have more. Well, we'll be virtual until till the end of term, really, mm. um, and I might just be travelling wherever. So. Um, you get those insights there, and just to, just in general, um, going to the game, going to the stadium is a much different experience to, to watching it at home. Um, you get to see the off-ball runs, um, you get to see the communication as well. So, really opened my eyes actually, uh, to to football in a way that I'm really never really had to be honest. I think if you, you get that with any sport that you actually go and watch in person. I, I do the same. If I go and watch a tennis match or a cricket match as well, you do you see things in a really really different way. Even actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. Even snooker, really, even snooker, yeah. Because I've I've been lucky enough to go to the World Championships a couple of times in my younger days, and you do get a greater appreciation for the for the spacing more than anything else. Because sometimes you'll look at it and you'll kind of go, no, there's there's no way he's <laughs> he's missing this, and you get a greater appreciation for the length of the table as well they've in the we're a massive tangent for a football podcast now but in that it's it's sport related so exactly it's, it's all in good. the um in the in the winter gardens which is next to the crucible theater every world championships they set up a table with little competitions for the public every every year and 
I remember the one year I went past and they were doing a competition where they had each of the colour balls over each of the six pockets. And the, the deal was, pot each ball uh, in within six shots and you win a... Uh, I think you won a cue. And I went for it, and it was it was so much tougher than I thought it would be, because you know you looked at it, and the balls were maybe two balls away from the pocket themselves, and it was still actually much more difficult than it really should have been. Maybe I'm just not. I mean, I'm, I know I'm not a good snooker player, but all the same, I actually rate myself at snooker. Um, when I get going, I'm extremely precise mm. um, with many things, actually, and. Um, yeah, just love playing snooker. Shout out to snooker, great sport. Um, wanted to touch a little bit more on Rodrigo um, because Rodrigo at Santos, as I go to grab another Soran de Cabras, Spanish water. Um, Rodrigo at Santos was a left winger and actually when he joined Real Madrid, he had Vinicius on the left, so Rodrigo transitioned to a right winger and he really impressed me on the left. Um, just wanted to mention that. Alaba's world-class centre-back and so is Nacho. Nacho's an amazing player in person. Um, any Premier League side, Nacho could actually play for any Premier League side, genuinely. He's just one of those players you're just like, really? But then he's really good. He's just really good. Mm. He can play across the back four. Um, although, Alaba's very injury-prone in his 30s. So I do think a new, young, left-footed centre-back is needed. Yeah, and I think that's why other clubs have perhaps not necessarily made a move for Alaba, because he there's no doubting his ability. Absolutely not. He's fantastic as a player, but when you start missing that many games for the price that he would naturally command, I think. It, it, well, he was on. He's on a free, so he's on a free. Well, yeah, I mean, on a free is the perfect way to sign him. Yep, um, and. Yeah, I'd probably say Josko Gvardiol would be the perfect left-footed mm. centre-back. Um, if Inigo Martinez was not going to Barcelona, I'd have said he would be a short-term option. But um, I also think Fede Valverde, if Ramji don't sign a right-back, has a future as a right-back. Um, as you see with Cam having the central midfield to right-back to full-back transition is not hard um, at all. Um, Valverde has the engine, he has the ball-playing ability, he has the athleticism to do it, so that's something for the future. Um, and Madrid need the following a new striker in my opinion uh, a centre half and a right back centre half deputised for Alaba Do you want, um, would you want a replacement for Benzema or a backup that could evolve into one um, great question because Endrick is coming to mm. Real Madrid um, next year I think in 2024 yeah, next year yeah um, so you, you want someone in the sort of 26 to 30 range I'd say 26 to 28, actually. Mm. Um, just because then, when Hendrik is sort of 22, 23, he, the other person on the, on the players on the decline. Um, but not sure if you can see many strikers there. Um, obviously, Real Madrid won Erling Haaland. Mm. And that could happen next year. And a front line of Haaland, Vinicius and Rodrigo would be pretty spectacular. <laughs> um, but let's see how that goes. Um, because a lot of calls from the Bernabeu faithful for a Galactica. Um, and actually, I said here, Trent Alexander-Arnold would be amazing in La Liga. Genuinely amazing. Yeah. I um, see that, yeah. And I think it'd be perfect at right back. So that would be my shout, to be honest. And uh, so first goal 
for Real Madrid in the 31st minute. Um, and Real Madrid do this a lot. They they play very intricate football around the box. Um, and they're very patient with it. So they're probing on the edge of the box. Valverde plays a through ball. And uh, yeah, Benzema just dinks the ball and it's 1-1. And it's 1-0. Um, but Valladolid equalised through former Real Madrid player Raúl de Tomás, also known as RDT, because he has RDT on his back. Um, again, just intricate football from Rayo, and then goal uh, at the near post against Courtois. Um, and also, being in person just allowed me to see the sheer size of Thibaut Courtois. And... Um, very hard to score that goal um, but then Rodrigo scored the winner um, Ceballos passes the ball Rodrigo shift and shoot and uh, yeah Madrid score 2-1 that's the game game set and match and one thing I noticed in Spain is because public transport is at set times mm. um, fans it's normal for fans to leave early very normal for fans to leave early and um, especially at the Bayer the Lid game because it was on a Tuesday night the game was at 10pm finished at sort of midnight-ish mm. what a horrible time to kick off right I know um, and yeah people were leaving sort of 80-ish minute 80-ish minute because you can't really have yeah it's on a weekday people have to work the, the next mm. day so um that that was that really. Um, the Real Madrid game finished sort of nine quarter past nine, uh, kick off at sort of half seven. So yeah, that was. Those are all the matches I've been to so far. And have have you found it as a, a European odyssey? Um, I actually prefer watching European football because <laughs> I got into the turnstiles. So actually, funny enough, I finally at the Estadio Jose Zorilla. Um, I got lost. Um, <laughs> And uh, actually, it was sort of 9.45, 9.47-ish. And I had to run around to the other side of the stadium. Uh, and so I ran around. It's a very small, small stadium, around sort of 25, 27,000-ish capacity. And I sort of I sprinted around the stadium, got in. Um, first, there was one um, steward who wouldn't let me in, even though I had a ticket um, for some reason, because I didn't have a, a, a social card. Um then I went round to another one and just let me in because my barcodes can't. So there you go, really. Um, at the Bernabeu, um, I initially got lost after at half time because I went to the loo to a different section. I was following a couple of fans, asked about three or four stewards, and then got back in time for the second half. There, um, I also had some food at both places. So let me. So at Valladolid, I got a bocadillo, which is a sandwich of. Essentially pork loin, just a pork loin sandwich, some chips, um, and some water. Yesterday at uh, the Benavio, I got a hamon sandwich with, um, I think it's a, aceite um, A-O-V-E, which is in Spanish, translate, in English translates to E-V-0-0, which is extra virgin olive oil. Um, yes, that would, that's what I had with a... I saw on the cabras, but plastic, and then uh, without the lid because apparently people throw lids at players yeah. or something. 
Um, very common practice and uh, didn't eat anything um, buying at the Allianz Arena or the Estrada de Luge. Um, Was that yeah, so of for, lack of choices or just because... I just, I, I didn't need it. Um, and You're a stronger man than I then. <laughs> um, but actually I had a full dinner after I came back yesterday. I had a, I had a quesadilla, I had two different types of croquetas, um, one with pork cheek and one with a classic um, jamon and bechamel. Um, and I also had a burger. So I guess it is two types of croquettes and a burger. And actually, I put the croquettes in the burger. Ooh, lovely. Um, see, you get everything on Ojogo Bonito. <laughs> um, the cooking spin-off coming soon. Uh, why not? Why not? Um, so those are my match notes so far. Um, and... Yeah, I got the Sevilla game on the 27th, which means that, um, yeah, uh, for all those Wellingtonians, uh, I'm missing speech day. Oh, no. I'm not going to be there because the game got preponed last week. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that, really. And it means um, you're missing the, the most important fixture in the world, which is Luton Town versus Coventry City in the Championship Playoff Final. I hope Coventry win. I don't want Luton to be a Premier League team, please. Please don't let it be Luton. Is that personal bias or do you not like Kenilworth? Is it Kenilworth? I just don't, I just don't like Luton. I just don't like Luton as a city. That's all. Um, if you had to rank worst cities on earth, I think Luton would be up there. Um, but that's my Luton run over. Um, so anything else? I mean, kind of covered what I've done, what I've been up to. I mean, well, I suppose what's worth mentioning is since we've last podcasted, uh, Arsenal have completely bottled the league yes, to an un- yes. unretrievable, to an irretrievable level now. And Arsenal have they spent the most time on the top of the league without winning the league, two hundred forty-eight yeah. days, which is quite ridiculous. Um, I want to touch on the Mason Mount to Man United rumours uh, and cover them in detail. Um, mm. I mean, do you mind putting his FB ref report up? Yeah, I can absolutely do. Um, I was just about to go and do that. Actually, this is. I've been. I'll be honest. I think Mason Mount reminds me of better Jesse Lingard and younger. I. That's not a terrible shout, to be honest. I I I wouldn't really want him a Man United eye test. He doesn't pass the eye test for me. Um. Yeah, I don't think he does either. I mean, fifty-five million for someone with one year left on their deal. Hmm. Then again. Real Madrid paid a hundred million for Hazard. True. And I, no, um, I want to know: Do you want to look at this versus attacking midfielders and wingers, or versus midfielders? And central midfielders, please. At? Central midfielders. I want to look at his passing and attacking numbers, and I, I just want to look at his complete scout report, please. Okay, so I can tell you that uh, in terms of attacking actions, uh, he's no lower than seventy-fourth percentile, which is non-penalty goals. Everything and what's the highest? Goals. What's the highest? Is shots total, 93rd percentile, 2.2 okay. per 90. It's not really what he's going to be in the team for. Um, can we look at his passing and dribbling numbers, please? Shots, they're two very different stories, actually. Um, passes attempted, 40th percentile. Pass completion, 17th percentile. Uh, successful take-ons is then the next lowest at 61st percentile with 0.86 per 90. Uh, progressive passes not far off that at 69th percentile uh, averaging 5.95 per 90 
but his progressive carry is 85th percentile, his attacking penalty area touches are 97th, and his progressive passes received are 96th. So that 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 completely justifies what I'm saying. Um, Lingard is a better receiver; he's an off the wall runner, akin to Mason Mount. Mm. I wouldn't like him at United. Don't it, think he it fits doesn't strike me as the right option because I assume that. Well, this is the thing, though. I'm trying to figure out where he's being signed, and I'm not sure I can. Is he being signed as a Fernandez backup? You don't. Sure, I would not want to pay fifty-five million pounds for a, a backup position. If he's being signed as an as an eight or a six or whatever you want to call that position, he, he, I'm he's not, not sure an eight. Right for that. He's not an eight. No, he's not an eight. Next to Casemiro, it's not. He'd be better but than Ericsson at certain things, but I don't think he would be mm. um, adequate. But apparently, I would like Hag is the one leading the charge for this. Um, I would take that with a grain of salt because every paper says Ten Hag needs a. Mm. The charge well, for he, everything. He has to though because there's no director of football at United. Well, you got John Murtagh, you got Andy Boyle. Mm. Um, you have the footballing people in charge. Um, would like to see him move for a different player. Frankie De Jong, actually, I would say is, should be top. I think um, that I don't. Know he doesn't want to come. This. The um, the who reported this earlier today? Someone's just popped it. Ornstein up. said that um, Mount prefers a move to United. Uh, Sammy Mockbell um, has said that Man United had just joined the race to sign Declan Rice, and he was the one who broke the what looked like the briefing about um, about Mason Mount yesterday. And today hmm. he's come out and said that United have joined the Declan Rice race. Interesting option. Um, I, I'm quite a fan of that move, and I I think he'd be a good uh, partner to Casemiro. Uh, especially if you need a more defensive shape in big matches, but he's also if Casemiro needs you know needs a game off somewhere or gets suspended again, as he seems to be quite prone to do in England, Declan Rice can fit in that position as well. I think you can get two midfielders for the price of Declan Rice. That's the issue. Unless United are going to do part exchanges with obviously Maguire. McTominay um, is the one I'm seeing floated quite a lot. I see Maguire and McTominay. McTominay. I think it'll be Maguire, McTominay, and. Thirty million. Um, Fifteen twenty. So I think United will rate both at forty. Um I mean I'd go Maguire McTominay thirty million or twenty five, something along those lines. Mm. Um I think West Ham would take that to be honest, because they get McTominay they get a rice replacement ish in McTominay. Yeah. Um slightly more progressive in terms of carrying but I mean, not personally I'd I'd only ever in that situation I'd only take one player as a part exchange and Try and get as much money as possible. Well, it'd be, it would be Maguire and sixty at least, or Maguire and seventy, mm. um, which I still think is too much. Uh, I would go two players and then bring it down that way. Um, and I think United need a homegrown player, so I wouldn't be opposed to Declan Rice at mm. all. Um, I would also like Manuel Ogarte, but he's going to PSG, so I think PSG. Um, where's Lucas Hernandez is currently at Bayern, isn't he? Yes. Because apparently he's just agreed something with PSG. Luca Hernandez. Yeah, it's it's not comunicado oficial yet, but um, I've I have just seen that uh, somewhere. Are you sure it's Lucas or, or Teo? Lucas, specifically Lucas. Oh, he's agreed personal times. Yeah, I've just I've just seen that Daily Mail. Um, yep. Um, 
Oh, perfect. I mean, he's been injury prone. He's buying the record signing. He's injury prone. Um, I'd get rid. Mm. And uh, I've also just seen uh, the news came out this morning that Arn Slot, who is the Fyodor manager, is going to stay. He's there. rejected Spurs. Yeah, he's rejected Spurs. Apparently, Spurs now want. Ange, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, as I grab some tissues. Um, apologies for the sneeze ASMR. <laughs> um, <sighs> and I'll also tell you that apparently, uh, though it won't happen for a little bit, apparently Nice want Graham Potter as yes, their new head yes, coach. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, great move for both parties. Yeah, um, I, I could see that being really good. Uh, I think, especially Jim Ratcliffe trying to get some good PR at Nice because the Nice faithful are not very happy with them. Mm. Um, so and that of course, is. Uh, there was there was one more that I wanted to ask you about. We covered a little while ago the poss- the possibility of Al Clasico with Messi moving to Al Hilal. Yes. We are now, it looks to me like we're seeing more pieces slotting into place for that with Busquets leaving, with Alba leaving, with yes. Iniesta leaving. And they are all players who it was mooted would be joining Messi at this project. Well, Iniesta first of all was nearing 40. But he um, still wants to play. He, he's leaving, but he still wants to play. He's specifically not retiring. Yeah, you know what? Al Clasico could be an option. It, it looks like it's going to be an option fairly soon. And you know what? I'm not opposed to it. Many fans are opposed to it because of the money touted, but at the, at the end of the day, we have to be empathetic. Yeah, I mean, I've, because I'm, I'm trying to take the money out of it in my mind because it, if you t- start talking about money in football, everything gets very complicated very quickly. But I think yep. on a reputational level... I think it's better for both Messi and for Cristiano Ronaldo that they are playing against each other again because they are two players whose legacies have been defined by each other. Yep. So I think that having them back in regular combat, as it were, against each other, I think is going to be a really good thing for for both of them. And I hope that what it will do is it will also elevate players who get to play around them in those situations as well. I agree. Um, I completely agree. I think Al Halal, if they got the likes of Alba, Busquets and Iniesta, would be a much better squad. Um, mm. And ho- they'd probably make it deeper in the Asian Champions League as well. And so. even if they don't actually, you know, even if they can't play that many games, you've then at that point got essentially coaching options in every position from players who've won everything there is to win. Exactly. Um, now imagine learning... You know, the art of the anchorman from Sergio Busquets, or the art of the marauding fullback from uh, Jordi Alba. Yeah, exactly. Or the art of being a great midfielder <laughs> from Iniesta. Or the art um, of just being one of the best footballers of all time from Messi. Yep. The art um, of being unnaturally gifted. That that would be great, um, and you definitely see Saudi football's profile being raised oh, further than it has. Yeah. Um, I do think being an international football fan you do need more representation outside of Europe um, obviously the South American League is is there but there's a football establishment already it's good to see football spreading eastwards 
as I'd, well. I'd love to see the, the Club World Cup taken more seriously, actually, on that point. They, they, they are doing it in 2026 or 2028, I believe. Mm. They're making a proper tournament. Yeah, because it, it doesn't really work in its current slot. It's, yeah, because the winner of the Champions League, unless you, it's, it's an inconvenience, yes. Um, and actually, I would rather... Now this sounds controversial. I'd rather get rid of all Champions League and just play a Club World Cup and the league. Wow, that that's a bold statement. So, an international Super League, mm. perhaps. Um, I would be a huge fan of that. How would you do your, your coefficienting for that, I wonder? Um, great question. You take winners of leagues mm-hmm. and winner of the Asian, of all the champ- different Champions Leagues... Mm-hmm. Put them together in a tournament, uh, in a league for a season to to place it, or actually you take different coefficients, um, and you take the sort of top ten or top based on ten to twenty year average, and uh, you make it you compose it of that. Yeah, and I would say you take um, six from the top five leagues. Um, sorry, you take sort of three or four from the top five leagues each, and then you take. Um, two or three from from each federation. Mm. So it's very European, but you do have sort of three, I'd say four teams each from each federation. Yeah. Um, because I was thinking sort of four, if you take four teams, if you have consider six, it's a big, it's a big league. Um, but yeah, I would love an international super league, to be honest, because... Would you do it over the summer then? Um, it would need the alignment of the football calendar. That's the issue. Mm, it would, yeah, because obviously, you know, you don't want teams potentially flying literally halfway across the world this time to to play a fixture and then having to you know, fly back for a, an away fixture somewhere else. Yep. Um, I would say this would be this could be a good tournament in the summer. Mm. Every couple of years, um, well, actually, no, every season you have it in the summer. Um, like off season for the for the World Cup and the. Uh, but but then again, but then again, um, you need the, the South American leagues are, are mm. down on the calendar year. I think football should actually transition to a calendar year basis, mm. rather than the August to May. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's, it's all an interesting discussion. <coughs> I'm sure we can get into it in a future episode because there's. There are so many logistical challenges to all of that. Yep. Maybe we can do an episode in the future on rejigging the football calendar. Yep, I, I'd love to do one, actually. Um, and as we look at the Predictions League... Yes, the Predictions League. Uh, so, of course, we don't have all of the fixtures from last week because we're recording this uh, the afternoon before Man U Chelsea, which is the final game of match week 37 but of all the matches so far in week four uh, week five sorry for us yep. uh, I can tell you that you have had 10 correct results with one correct score giving you 12 points for the week Your yep. correct score being one all between Liverpool and Aston Villa uh, Mr Jennings who only predicted the Premier League fixtures uh, which was 12 of those got four so I th- he was slightly down on percentage anyway yep um, with no correct scores. I got nine correct results, but two correct scores. Both of them being the... Uh, of all games, being the second legs of the Europa Conference Leagues. Um, 
which has tipped me over the edge for that. But combined with week three scores means that JK, you still hold a two point lead. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, actually, wait, no, I haven't actually updated the um, scores, but you will. You will hold a one point lead. Uh, and what have I got for tonight? What have I got scores for tonight? Uh, for tonight, you've got, I believe, a three, two, uh, a three-one to Man United, and, and you've got a nil. Okay, come on, Man United. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, it's currently sixty to you and fifty-nine to the rest of the world. Slim lead, slim lead. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's go and predict some uh, games for this yeah, weekend. I'm conscious, we've got about ten minutes left, so I, what I propose is we do last game week of Premier League. And then I've got down here uh, Europa League final, FA Cup final, Conference League final, and the two playoffs that we're due to have, which are League One and Championship. Um, and we're going to meet next week. To add. We're going to meet next week. So, are we meeting at the end? If we meet at the end of the week, though, those matches will have already gone. Yeah. So end of the week, so the FA Cup finals on the third. So FA Cup finals on the Saturday. Mm. Um, so we'll meet on the Friday. Um, I wanted to highlight Benfica Santa Clara. Oh, but when you say next week, I remind you we're on half term next week. Oh yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah. That's why. That's why I'm putting all of these. In. All right, all right. So let's do those uh, fixtures. Um, we'll do the playoff finals as well. Um, can we add Fiorentina Roma, please? Absolutely, we can add that. Inter Atalanta. Inter versus Atalanta. Um. Sevilla Real Madrid, obviously. Um, so I'm going to be at the game, mm-hmm. uh, and then oh, what's next? Obviously, we've got all the Premier League fixtures. Mm-hmm. Juventus Milan, that's a yeah. big one. Um, Atletico Madrid and uh, Sociedad, um, that will be another one. Um, and. PSG Clermont because I'm going to be at the game so might as well get that one in um, that's the week commencing Monday the 29th mm-hmm. um, I want to get to you know into in the day after that as well mm-hmm. um, and then a couple of La Liga games so Sociedad Sevilla um, Real Madrid Athletic Club um, Villarreal Atletico and that's it those are the what was three. the last one? Villarreal Atletico, please. And then um, Conference League final, um, Fiorentina against West Ham. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, got a lot of fixtures there. Yeah. Cool. So where do you want to start? I think it's, it's the top of my list, so let's start with the last match week of the Prem. Last match week of the Prem. Cool. Um, you give your prediction and I'll go and then we'll alternate sure so we've got Arsenal Wolves first up uh, it's now a nothing game this one um, home advantage 2-0 Arsenal uh, I'll go 1-1 1-1 don't blame you yeah uh, next up Aston Villa versus Brighton uh, I'll go 2-1 to, to the villains ooh uh, I'll take Brighton 3-1 away. Actually, I'll go 2-2. I'm going to go 2-2 2-2, two, 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 he's changed his mind. Uh, next up, Brentford versus Manchester City. Uh, I'll take... 
I'll take City 3-1 yeah good call I think City are going to put on a show I'll go 3-0 next up Chelsea Newcastle Uh, 2-1 to the tune yeah it feels like this is going to be an unhappy homecoming uh, an unhappy farewell as well Uh, I'm actually uh, this is a bit bold I'm going to go 4-1 Newcastle uh, next up is Palace Forest. Three uh, one Palace Forest, the worst away uh, team in the league. Yeah, uh, I will go. I, I don't think this is going to be a good match, though. I'm going to go one nil Palace. Uh, Everton Bournemouth. One um, nil Everton. They have to win it. They do. Oh, they do have to win it. I suppose it, it does come down to who you think are going to go down out of Everton. I think the bottom three will. I think the bottom three will stay as is. So you think it's Leicester and Leeds going down with Southampton? I mean, we have Leeds Spurs, so <clears throat> you could have a scenario where Everton win and Leeds win, and Everton go down. So, no, actually, that's not that's not ri- that's not possible. Yeah, um, um, I'm actually going to go Everton nil can nil go down. Yeah, Everton. Can I'm going go to go. I'm going to go nil nil Everton Bournemouth, and I'm going to change my mind. I think Everton are going to go down. Going to go nil nil. Yeah. So just so you know, if Everton does finish nil nil. And Leeds win, Leeds stay up. Leeds would still at that point have to win by three goals. Ooh. So let's. Oh, sorry. Leicester could stay up. Leicester. Okay, cool. Um, What's the next game? Yeah. What's the next Um, game? Just for reference, I'm going to put in. I I think Everton will make it 2 1, I think. Uh, Next game is Leeds Tottenham. Uh, 3-2 Leeds yeah Leeds I, I to think go Leeds down. have got this as well um, I but Leeds going down 2-0 I'm, I'm so looking forward to match of the day where they do that cut between all the relegation games it's going to be great this year uh, next up is Leicester West Ham 2-0 West Ham I I actually think that uh, sorry did you say 2-0 West Ham yes yeah, I think that's the right call. I'm going to take the West Ham 1-0. I don't think Leicester will win that. Uh, next up is Man U versus Fulham. Yep, Man United against Fulham. Uh, 3-1 to the to, Manchester. To the Manchester United. Um, yeah, I think that's a good call. Uh, I United haven't won by many goals this season, though, so I'm going to take a 1-0. Uh, um, and finally, in the Prem, is Southampton versus Liverpool. 1-0 Southampton. It's a moot game. Yeah, this... They're at home. It's the last game, Prem game, they're going to have for at least a year. Yeah, they're on a massive losing streak, though. I think they break it. it pains me. I think I will pick Liverpool 2-0. Um, let's do the international fixtures next before we get to all of our various finals. Okay. Uh, so Fiorentina Roma. Uh Fiorentina Roma. Um one one. Uh I'm I'm actually gonna take Roma away here. I think Mourinho is going to produce something. I mean actually sorry, we haven't touched on the um, Juventus um points deduction. No, of course, because they've this I was in favour of it when it first happened. I'm slightly dubious of it now because it looks as though they've tried to pick a points total to deduct from them to make sure they can't get into Europe. Well, they're only one point behind Roma, so if they win their two games, 
Um, Juventus could even get I mean, they're an outside, outside chance for Champions League football. Mm. Milan but, would have to lose both games for Juventus to get Champions League. But Juventus could still get Champions League. It shows how good they've been in the league this season. Mm. Yeah, so comf- I, I, they were second by a point and now they're seventh, obviously. They could still get Europa Conference League or Europa League football next season. Yeah, um, they could. Atalanta is Serie Bottlers, so let's see. Um, <laughs> and speaking of Atalanta, uh, our next fixture is Inter versus Atalanta. I didn't, I didn't plan that transition. Um, <laughs> Inter Atalanta, I'm going to tune in Inter. Tune Inter, yeah, good call. I think uh, I will take, I'll take three nil Inter. Um, Very impressive in the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina. Inter, mm, yeah. Um, let's, although, let's stick in Italy then. Um, we've got Juventus Milan. Milan next. It's a tough one, but I'm going to go two. Oh, actually, I'm going to go one one. Going to go one one. Uh, I'll have Milan away for this one. I'm going to take a two one. Um, and our final Italian game is Torino versus Inter. Uh, Inter to win three one. Inter three one. Just because I haven't got many yet so far, I'm going to take a one all draw here. Cool. Um, we'll move to Spain next for Sevilla versus Real Madrid. Yep, going to be at the game. Uh, 2-1 Real Madrid. I was going to think, I was thinking, should we predict some of the Bundesliga games? And Because, obviously, the title rides on it. Um, yeah, if we've got games to predict. Uh, on, on Sevilla, Real Madrid. I'm going to make a really bold claim for this. Sevilla to win? No, I'm going to make the boldest claim I possibly could. Go on. I think this game is going to get postponed. How so? I think I think there's going to be a walkout from from Madrid. You think so? I think so. I I think it's brewing. This hmm. is and not to put a cynical hat on, but it's the best time for them to do it hmm. because they have nothing to play for at the moment. Yeah. So if anything happens, I I think they should and I think they will take a zero tolerance approach rather than trying to hmm. tough it out. Got it. Um, Vinicius Jr. is a doubt for that game due to a knee injury um, but let's see yeah we'll see um, hopefully that doesn't happen because we want to see football played course, in a clean yeah. spirited manner um, um, let's go through the rest of the games and we can have the, the Bundesliga yes. and Portuguese uh, so next games. up we've got Atletico Madrid versus Real Sociedad alright um, that is third against fourth uh, in La Liga I'm going to throw Sociedad win they've just beaten Barcelona um, and Almeria yesterday. Almeria yesterday. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 2-1 Sociedad. 2-1 Sociedad. Especially I, after Atletico's 3-3 draw yesterday where Espanyol came back. Yeah, uh, personally, I think it's Atletico at home. I think I find that very difficult to look past. So I'll take Atletico 1-0. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Sociedad again, but this time at home to Sevilla. Sociedad... Um, actually, do you want chronologically? Do you want to do the Europa League final first? Uh, you can do, yeah. Uh, so Europa League final. I'll be there again. Um, Sevilla Roma. Mourinho's meant to beat the Europa League favourites. I'm going to go two one Roma. Two one Roma. Um, back to back European yeah, trophies I... for the Gialla Rossi. It's it's Sevilla's tournament, but it's Mourinho in a cup final. It's uh, it is the unstoppable force. Very hard game to predict. Very. Um, I will take for this. 
really. I think it's actually going to go down to penalties, and on that basis, I'm going to take Roma on penalties for a one-all draw. Wow. Um, then next chronologically is the FA Cup final. Yes, which is Manchester City versus Manchester United. You go first. I'm going first. It's just because you want me to say it, isn't it? It's 3-0 City. I'm going 2-1 United. Oh, you brave, brave man. It's going to happen. We've also got the Conference League final, Fiorentina versus West Ham. Uh, 2-1 Fiorentina, West Ham hearts to be broken. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I'm going to take a, um, a 3-1 Fiorentina. Then PSG Clermont, cause, just because I'm going to be at that game. Yep. I'm going to go 2-1 to PSG. Mm-hmm. Are you going more emphatic? I'm... No. I, I don't feel like I can go more emphatic with PSG at the moment. Um, I'm actually going to take a nil-nil, and I'm really sorry if that's what happens. <laughs> Um, what have we got left? Uh, international games, we've got Sociedad versus Sevilla. Yep. Um, Sociedad at home, 3-1. Actually, um, we also do Betis Valencia because it's Joaquin's last ever game, I believe. Yep, so that's Real Betis versus Valencia. Um, oh, so you need, we need your Sociedad predictions Yes, first. we do, yeah. I was, just, I was trying to think what it would be. Um... And I think that it would be... Um, I'm going to take a one-all draw, I think. The draw's coming out in full force now. Uh, we've got Madrid versus Athletic Club now. No-no. Uh, no-no. Um, Athletic Club have one of the best defences in La Liga, I believe. Um, yep, they have... One, two, three, four, five. Joint sixth, thirty-nine goals and thirty-five. So relatively tight for a for a team. I'm actually. I think that's really good reasoning. I'm actually going to predict them to sneak a one-nil away win here. At the Bernabeu. Yeah, wow. Bernabeu. Um, and then our final uh, our final international match is Betis versus Valencia. Did you get Villarreal? Let's go down. Oh, I did not get that down. No. Uh, Villarreal versus Atletico. Spelt with a T minus the H. Yep. You got it. Um, I'm going to take for that a uh, Atletico away. Atletico away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2 0. I'll go 1 0. Atletico. Uh, and then we're back to Betis Valencia. Yep. Uh, for this, I think I'm going to take Betis at home 2-1. Um, I'm going to take Betis at home as well. I'm going to go 1-0. Joaquin to score in his last ever game. 1-0. And finally, we've got two playoff finals. Uh, we'll do League One first, which is Barnsley versus Sheffield Wednesday. I'm going to bat Barnsley. You're going to bat I'm Barnsley. Go. They've, they've not had as much heart, as many heart problems to go through as Sheffield Wednesday after that. Bizarre two-legged playoff tie. Didn't they win five-one? I think. Yeah, they won five-one in the second leg to bring it to penalties because they lost four-nil in the first leg. It was just daft that absolute bonkers game. That it was. Uh, what's your scoreline then? Two-one Barnsley. Two-one Barnsley. 
in this fixture, and I am a Sheffield lad myself, Wednesday have always been the bigger team in this. And I think for that reason, I'm going to take Wednesday 3-1 here. And then finally, the, what's it called? The billion billion dollar game or something? <laughs> which in, which this year, I can't believe I'm saying, is Luton versus Coventry. I'm going to go 2-1 Coventry. Joe Chris has scored the winner. I, I think it's written in the stars that Erling Haaland is visiting Kenilworth Road next season. 1-0 Luton. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so, half-term, quick question, ends mm-hmm. on the 4th, right? Yes, so that's Sunday the 4th is the last day of half-term. Um, so we'll have a podcast during then. Um, oh, just so you know, I'm actually, I'm away from most of half-term. So it'll be you on that podcast and send it to me and I'll see what I can do with it. Um, during half-term or...? During half-term, yeah. Um... We could have this go up over half term, and you could have the old archive that we did for last week go up as well. Oh, of course, we the have solo. The yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll put the archive up over half turn. So that's you're hearing some live planning here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you still got the right live planning there. Um, Champions League final. We're going to meet before then. I'm assuming Champions League final is the tenth. ninth, tenth, tenth. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll meet first week back then. Cool. So that's fine. Um... Got some international games that you can predict. Mm-hmm. Might be going to one of them actually. Ooh. I might be going to. Um, I might be going to Malta, England. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm very <coughs> glad for you. I truly don't know why anyone would go and see England internationally because I think they play awful. I think I'm, I think I'm <laughs> going to be in Malta in any case during that time. So. Oh, well, fair enough then. Um. <coughs> Let's see some international friendlies. Um, are there any crackers? I'm just seeing for myself if I want to go because obviously the Nations League is in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, any crackers of any games? Not really. No, no real cracker of, of, of a game. Obviously, the other twenty-one Euros. Oh, yeah, which are ongoing at the moment, yeah. Yep. Um, nope, that's fine. I'm just browsing at this point. Um, we'll get Nations League predictions in in time. That's cool. No worries there. So Nations League, just a quick preview. It's Netherlands, Croatia and Spain, Italy. Hosted mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. Are we um, doing predictions for those? I'm actually not. No, 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 no. Uh, June 14th and 15th. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll do them. So we've got time. So. We've got time. Um, but yeah, so um, we're also going to do the Bundesliga. Sorry, the Bundesliga. Plus yes. We, we got sidetracked. Um, where is this calendar? This last weekend of Fußball, where both the Bundesliga and Liga Nos finish for a season. So Liga Nos... Uh, I want to get the two important games, which are Porto Guimarães and Benfica Santa Clara. Um, and I will get to those. In the, I'm, I'm just putting in the um, Bundesliga. Yeah, the B- Bundesliga ones, where we've got Köln versus Munich and Dortmund versus Mainz. Yep. I was actually going to go to that Mainz game, but I'm in Madrid that day, so 
Well, you, you might have missed a potential title celebration then. Um, I might have missed two potential title celebrations with Benfica and Dortmund. Because Benfica need to beat um, Santa Clara at home and Santa Clara bottom. Mm. Fun fact, Santa Clara used to be a affiliated club with Benfica, hence why they have similar um, badges. Benfica versus Santa Clara, and the other fixture is... Porto against Guimarães. There we go. Um, and actually, that draw Benfica Sporting means that Sporting can now mathematically not qualify for the Champions League. And that is actually Braga's. Uh-huh. So um, the Sporting Easters are also not very happy because if Sporting won that game, they would essentially be favourites because Braga is zero bottlers. But, yeah. Um, so which ones do we have first? Bundesliga um, or Liga? On Nosh? my list, I've got Bundesliga first. So I've got sure, let's go. versus Munich. Uh, 3-1 by Oh, Curl actually Curl uh, actually alright Where are Curl in the 10th <laughs> Mid-table You go first I'm taking Bayern To thump them 4-0 Because that's all They can do at this point I'll go 3-1 Bayern Munich And then On the other side Is Dortmund Versus Mainz uh, 4-1 Dortmund Dortmund to win the league I, I don't know actually what this would do for the table because I haven't looked at it yet. But I'm going to put oh, it 2-2. Which I think means that Bayern would win the league in that circumstance. On goal difference, I think. I think goal di- it's goal difference first, then head-to-head. I can't remember. I think it might well be, yeah. Even if it's head-to-head, Bayern is still going to win the league. Yeah. So. But yeah, I th- yeah, that's my prediction. And then over to Portugal. Got Benfica versus Santa Clara. Ooh, I think I'm going to go 3 0 Benfica. Yeah, I, I can't see them throwing this away. Um, I'll go 2 0 though. And then Porto versus Guimarães. Uh, 2 0 Porto, but Benfica win the league by two points. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I think I'm going to go 4 0 Porto, but not enough. And there you have it. Ojogo Bonito for another episode. Um, anything you want to add? Um, Mr. Ferguson. Oh, goodness, is there anything I want to add? Um, in, enjoy a European Odyssey. That's all I'll add. <laughs> uh, I might have been going to Lyon against Man United in that preseason friendly in Edinburgh. Ooh. Um, because. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, hang on. Let's break down the Neymar to um, Bas- uh, to United. Sure, let's break it down. It's nonsense. There's my breakdown. <laughs> I actually would like to see it. No, it's, um, it's, it's a move that massively depends on the fee. If I think if it'd PSG be a loan cover, with an option to buy. I think that's what United are proposing. If PSG cover a decent amount of the wages, I think it's actually a really shrewd bit of business. Loan with option to buy? Possibly, yeah. Um, again, would depend on. I, I'm not so much fussed by the option to buy part. That will be what it is. But the actual fee for the loan and how much of Neymar's wages. Well, actually, actually, I don't think there would be a loan fee. You would just pay Neymar's wages. And that, but that's a lot of wages to pay. Is the only issue. On, um, from gr- my perspective, gross. That's a million a week. Um, PSU probably cover about half. 
yeah, it, it it's it's still a lot to be paying. I I appreciate his versatility and his skill, but I think that's I think that's too much for United. What if PSG covered seventy five percent of his wages or eighty percent? Then you're starting to get into more reasonable territory, especially if you don't have to necessarily pay a, a lump sum up front as well. Yeah. Um, if you get to that point, I think then you consider it because he could provide game-changing quality in th- at least three different positions. Are you thinking on the left? Attacking mid. Yep, I agree. Um, and if you can get him to stay fit, mm-hmm. I think Casemiro keeps him in check all, off the field. And even if you don't get him to stay fit, he, if he's if he's an option off the bench or if he plays you know, every second game, you, sure, you don't want to pay that much money for someone who plays every second game, but... I mean, look at Chelsea with Joel Felix, right? Then, exactly, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see it happen. I think you'd add so great amount of ability. Mm. And we finally see Neymar in the Premier League. <laughs> but I think he'll go to Chelsea. Yeah. Another and, signing for Chelsea. Yep. And that's a wrap. Um, thank you very much, everybody. Um, enjoy the half-term episodes. Take care. Have a good one. Peace.